Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. 88 AIDS, 8 We Skate, August 8, 2019. This is the Mike Abadir Show. I am Gino Bacola and the main man, Mike Abadir. Next to me, Mike. It's a fun time right now because football is just rearing up, and we are going to talk a little bit about your favorite team because they are the subject of this year's HBO Hard Knocks. Yeah, man. You know, the uh, Raiders are always going to have that intrigue, that turmoil. They're like the Lakers. The, yeah, they're, the big organizations, the and, Cowboys, and it's the kind Yankees. Of, yeah, but the thing is, the, the big difference between them and some of the others, well, Lakers, I guess, lately. But the Raiders just haven't been good in a long time. Yeah. You know, they got that Super Bowl in in the early 2000s with Gruden. But for the most part, and I hate to say it, it pains me to say it, but their, their glory years really were in the 70s, right? But for a while there, they were the only team that made the Super Bowl in every decade. So they ha- they, fe- they always kind of found a way to have that consistency. Mark Davis hasn't had his stamp on the organization yet. Maybe, you know, that big Gruden move would be one that can kind of seal the deal as him being, you know, uh, a winning owner in the league. But I well, don't well, know about this season, man. I'm I mean, a little well, bit yeah, concerned. Well, we're, well, we're on and we're uh, and we're talking about the the Raiders. Let's just continue on with Hard Knocks because we both watched the first episode of Hard Knocks and I'm going to go through the episode. I, um, I I liked it right off the bat. And, and for those of you that don't know, if you haven't watched Hard Knocks ever, it's just the, the training camp for an NFL team. And every year they've done different teams each year and it gives you a look at what your practices are like, what the training camp is like, what things are like a little bit in that locker room. It gives you some storylines about some of the major players and a lot of times players that are trying to make the team. So players that might not be the best, but might be right on the cusp of of making a team or not. So it's a very good like reality show for the most part if you're a sports fan and an NFL fan. And, and it started out with uh, right away we get John Gruden and uh, it's he's talking to the team and he talks about how he doesn't want dreams. He wants nightmares. I kind of thought that was a, a fun. I actually kind of like that that tw- that tweak on it. He said, you know, everybody has a dream to get here, to get to the NFL, to make the Pro Bowl, to, to win the MVP, to, to gain these yards. Everybody's dream is this. But I want to be the people that are ending the dreams. And so I thought that was kind of a cool take. Yeah, and the reality of it is that training camp is going to be just that for some guys. Now, it's going to be that in the fashion of an injury um, that can, you know, knock somebody out for the season or maybe prevent him from get ever getting a shot again. It might be because he got cut. Um, these guys are there to compete and steal jobs and to cement their jobs. And, you know, everybody's got a different role there, but yeah, you know, this is, um, I, I don't really watch hard knocks typically. Um, I haven't watched my man Gino here uh, suggested that I, that I check it out just because it's, you know, the Raiders and, for those who don't know, I used to work for the Raiders for, for a long time. So I've been to many training camps in Napa, um, very hot over there. And um, so for me, it's kind of like, you know, you know, when you do something because you, you have to because you're working there, you sure. know, you, you don't necessarily want to watch it afterwards. Um, but, 
it was kind of cool for me to get a glimpse of Gruden this second go around and get yes. some insight into because he's a lot different than he was before. There's some elements of him that will always be, but there are some things where I think he's maybe a little bit more relaxed on. As you could see, one of the things that he kind of pointed out was he doesn't really have any rules. You know, it's kind of like show up on time, just some of the basics. But Don't be late, don't be overweight, yeah, bust yeah. your ass, use common sense, no rookie hazing. Yeah, <laughs> that's you know, it's, yeah. It's not, there's not a lot to it, you know what no. I mean? Um, very very unlike uh, Tom Coughlin, you know, where... Regimented. There's a lot of... Yeah, the, the criticism with him was he wasn't really a player's coach, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, and he's the, treating a lot of grown men and adults and making it seem kind of like the military, right? And no uh, surprise there because he's got a military background. So... Uh, but yeah, Gruden, he seems a little bit more relaxed in some areas. Obviously, has to do intensity with is there to win, right? The style of player he has to deal with now. You know, the younger millennials, I think, have to be coached and maybe taught in a different manner than people 20 years ago where that Coughlin style worked a lot more. Oh, yeah, Nowadays, let's get this, whatever, man. These, these teams are now giving the players a cell phone break, yeah. a social media break, like a yeah. break. Where you could, it's not like a water break or it's to go on your phone and check social media. Well, he even, he kind of mentions it at one point towards the beginning and he said, it's not even as hard as it used to be. You know, he said, I used to be able to have two, three, four days out here with you guys to run you into the ground. And, you know, he says, if I do that, if I work you too hard, people get on me. Yeah. He's like, I'll be incarcerated. Yeah. You know, the, um, well, the, 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 the most recent CBA has been the most restrictive in terms of what coaches can do. And like do. a player friendly. It's almost kind of like, you know, like in like college football coaches, you know, they can only do so many, so many hours, hours this yep. and that. It's kind of becoming more and more like that, especially during the off season. Definitely from a coach's perspective, they're not getting in nearly as much one-on-one or team time as they would like. You know, one-on-one obviously being with your, your quarterback and, you know, um, players that, really determine if you're going to have a winning season or not. You know, you'd want to have a lot more time with them, you know, stay at the office till like midnight. I mean, Gruden was notorious for that. You know, he'd stay in, in the, in the uh, headquarters there in Alameda until like 1am and be back at the office like 4.30. You know, he was notorious for that. The first go around. Um, I'm sure that he's probably eased off that a little bit, but yeah, man. uh, And why, why the Raiders are a good, a good team for hard knocks is because they have uh, a lot of good personalities. It's starting off obviously right off the top with Gruden. And then you have, it's a good storyline. You brought in Antonio Brown this year. And now with him being hurt, it's actually even a better storyline for the show. Now, as they kind of track his progress and it's always tough when you have a player like that, we've, we've seen it, Antonio Brown and they did a good job, um, you know, bringing him in, showing him with his kids in the pool and he's trying to work through these feet injuries. But like, we see with Antonio Brown, and it's kind of similar as we see with Jonathan Abram, like throughout the episode, some of these guys, they have, uh, you know, they, they're, I, I'm kind of like this way, Mike, like myself, like I don't have like a, like a, a low, low meter. I don't have like a, like we're, I'm only going high level. And, and I think that's how most, like a lot of these really stud athletes are. That's why they're so good is because they want to go, go, go work, 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 get better. And it's hard for Antonio Brown to take things back a notch he can't go a 10 he has to go just about a five in his effort level and then we see Jonathan Abram 
he is pissing off some some players early on because he's cracking them in, with no pads. And some of these guys are like, dude, you wait till we get the pads on. I'm going to lay you out, man. Like, so I know the kid's trying um, and, he, and you'd rather have it be that way where you're overly aggressive than where they have to tell you to, to go hit someone. But we've seen a couple like similarities with the, these players that are having some trouble slowing down so early on in training camp. Or how about not wanting to <laughs> to participate at all? I mean, dude, right? when I was watching Ollie, oh, I was that so is an agent's nightmare. Oh man, right there. Just, unfortunately, I've really only had one guy who was like that. Um, he was very lazy, and he couldn't get the playbook down. This guy was a pretty highly rated linebacker. Like going into the season, you know, he was probably a top five, six, maybe seven, depending on the list that you looked at, linebackers in the country. But that was kind of the uh, the knock on him was that he didn't necessarily, he wasn't a dumb guy, but he just, I think lazy is the best word. Yeah. He, and he, uh, he obviously, I'm, I'm not going to mention his name, sure, but right. he ended up with the New Orleans Saints um, this years ago. And uh, yeah, he did, he couldn't make it, man. He couldn't make it. Now, it wasn't. I mean, that's this is a really fast dismissal for Ollie. Yeah, and but he just seems like a lazy dude. And when he, they showed that clip from from the Netflix last U series, he doesn't want to roll. Yeah, on the ground even his trainer. Just for the listeners out there, his trainer had asked him to uh, maybe kind of do a cool down exercise, flexibility using your core. You get on the ground and you just roll yourself from one side of the field, you know, from the end zone to end zone. And uh, he was complaining the whole time and bitching oh, and yeah. moaning about it. And, you and know, he looked so surprised that he got cut. He doesn't even need the eye test anyways, to be no, honest with you. No, he doesn't look like the player. And, you know, it's I, I'm sure there are a lot of players out there that are frustrated because you could tell he kind of was like acting like, oh, man, everybody has this chip on their shoulder because they saw me on this Netflix video, like Netflix stuff, which I'm sure, especially when you're a young guy and you come into a new situation, everyone's going to want to crack the guy that they saw on TV. But he didn't mention at all how, man, this is probably why you got this opportunity. You know what I mean? Like, that's why people are going to give you an opportunity is because you are a well-known person and you'll probably get more opportunities than other more deserving players just because People know your name like somebody's going to take this guy and give him another shot. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve another shot right now, but there are probably other people out there just from what we've seen and what we've heard that are more deserving of another shot. And well, I'll tell you what, based on based on what I saw, just the body language that he gives off. I'd be very surprised if another NFL club gave right him an now, opportunity right now. Uh, right now, changed. he'll have to go to like to the XFL or something and really prove himself uh, just to be able to get a shot again. But I know what you mean. I mean, like. You know, he's very fortunate to have even been given this opportunity in the first place. And I'll tell you what, the reason that undrafted rookies typically do so well, you know, they, they kind of outrun their odds, so to speak, is because they do have that chip on their shoulder. They do Keep the something extra. in mind, there's very little that separates, you know, like a fourth rounder, a seventh an rounder, and an undrafted free agent. Yeah. Very, very little. A lot very of it's low. like opportunity. It might just literally just be... Luck. Well, it, it could literally come down to, well, this guy played in this conference sure. and that guy played at that conference. And we need this, this uh, you know, the, we need to fill a void in that position or add some depth. Let's take player A instead of player B. Now they could cross off that position in terms of their depth chart and move on to another position. 
But had he played in the other conference, he would have been taken in the fourth round. I've seen that over and over and over again. And then maybe another team doesn't have that same need, so he keeps getting passed around. And ultimately, people are like, wow, he wasn't taken. Let's, let's get him as an undrafted free agent now. You know, and he'll have his agent will have like 15, 20 teams calling him, blowing up his phone to try to get him because they're all shocked that he's available. Happens all the time. So there's not a lot that separates these guys. So usually when they get there as undrafted free agents, they want to prove themselves. They want to really, really kick some ass. And when you watch Jonathan Abrams as an example, um, you'd mentioned that he kind of had, you know, a little bit of a brash, uh, you know, kind of macho, cocky attitude a little bit. And that's really hurtful, in my opinion, when you're going in there thinking, like he even said the words, I ain't getting cut. Yeah. Right? And And when you have that mentality versus, I always tell guys, just go in there like you're fighting for your job every Mm -hmm. single day. Even guys that have been there three or four years. Because at some point, you're going to be a casualty of maybe maybe it's, it's your dollar amount that you're making. So now it's like, you know what, we can get the same exact thing for half the price. Or how about a new regime comes in and you're just not their oh, guy yeah. anymore. Oh, yeah. Right? That, that happens, happens all the time. time. And maybe you you were a great fit for the old defense and now they're playing a new defense and, and you don't quite fit into yeah, it. And, well, well, and also the new coaches want to bring their guys in too, Exactly. Right? Yeah. So there's a million, like you're never safe, especially in the NFL when there's all this turnover. And um, it, it's amazing because it shows you how quick, quick, quick. As soon as they cut Ollie, and the the thing that was really disappointing, it wasn't that okay. Everybody has an injury, right? And every everyone gets injured sometimes. And I'm not gonna ever blame someone because everyone's pain tolerance or t- what is different, right? But the the thing that was the most frustrating, and I think the reason why they just said, "Oh, screw you, we're gonna cut you now," is that he didn't show up to his treatment. Like they have these amazing doctors and training staffs that are there to help treat you to, you know, you should be there early asking, just like you said, what extra rehab can I do to expedite this process to make sure that I'm back in two days and not five? Yeah, and I'm I- not even convinced that he knew what his own injury was, to be no, honest. He was, he just didn't want to be there. Yeah. It looked like it was body language. He didn't want to be there. He wasn't yeah. trying. It looked like he got a little, he got, you know, razzed a little bit by a few guys and he kind of lost his confidence. And then he it looked like he was just curling up into a ball. It really did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then initially, and then immediately, that's what's crazy about what, uh, th- this I think was the most, I don't want to, I, I guess eye opening because you know what happens, but to see them cut him and then boom, Westbrooks comes in takes his number 63 and it's just like Ronald Ollie never existed. Oh yeah. <laughs> it just boom. Oh, yeah. And, and no, it's just a, that quickly. Look, it's a it's a business lesson number 1 to all these guys as they're coming into the league for the first time is you have to realize that this is a business. And as such, you know, they're going to fill each and every single roster spots to the maximum limit that they can. A lot of times, you know, you've heard the term thrown around camp body. He's just brought in as a camp body. Mm-hmm. And what that means is, in short, you know, there are going to be some drills that are being done. Guys are like really banged up, but you need somebody to be able to run On the, the drill. On the other side of that drill. And the other yeah. side. So you'll, you'll bring in these guys. And, you know, I've had guys ask me, hey, like, and they're kind of embarrassed to ask a little bit, but they're like, hey, just straight up, man, am I being, being brought in as a camp body? And the answer to that is it don't matter what you're brought in as, because if you go and you kick some serious butt, you know, you're going to move back. up, move up that depth chart. So mm-hmm. 
it doesn't matter. Number two, this is an audition for the entire league. So yep. when you go, you take the approach, I'm going to get into my preseason games in the fourth quarter, and I'm going to run the best routes, or I'm going to be the best backpedaler on the planet, or whatever it is that you're asked to do and need to do. That's all on film. And you have guys on every single team that are pro, pro scouts. You know, a lot, a lot of times when you hear the word scout, you're thinking of like college scouts scouting out, you know, the college scene. And they have dedicated guys for that. But you also have dedicated scouts who look at your opponents for the next three weeks. So they'll send them out to, you know, if you're playing Denver in three weeks, you'll send somebody out to Denver to watch them over the next three weeks until that game. If you're playing, you know, the Rams the week after that, you're going to be sending somebody to watch the Rams. Those are advanced scouts. And then you have the pro scouts who are just looking at, and there's two types, by the way. One who's just scouting your division, right, and seeing who gets cut. You're seeing who's excelling, who's performing well. How can that information be used in your upcoming games against your division opponents? And then you're going to have guys that are scouting for who gets cut league-wide. So scouting is really, really a lot more than people realize. And you have different people that are filling those roles. And so when when you get into a preseason game, you take it real seriously, you perform real well, chances are you're going to get an opportunity elsewhere. So that's a long answer to you know the whole camp body thing. Ollie didn't even get put himself in a position to get into a, a single preseason game. So he has not given anybody any ammunition to bring him back. Um, so it's all really, really interesting stuff. Gino, let's continue with the um, training camp talk, Raiders, Hard Knocks, everything else after the first commercial break. And we'll also talk a little bit of baseball as well. Stay with us. We will be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the draft, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps, on and off the field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at the Show.com. Now, back to this week's program. Continuing on with the Raiders and Hard Knocks talk. And, uh, Mike, I thought they they do a good job of... Uh, of you know, giving you a look at some of the big stars, Antonio Brown and Derek Carr. And I thought the the funny part about Carr when he came out with the sunscreen on and they were making fun of him. They said he baby oiled up and, you know, for the camera, trying to get the sexy arms going. That was funny. And the one little, another like little small moment that I thought was interesting was when um, Antonio Brown is out at camp with his kids and they're out there and they're like lacing up and they're getting ready to kind of come around and run around and play with their dad. And they say, it was Roethlisberger. You know, they, they didn't they didn't quite realize that, you know, Pops isn't on on the Steelers anymore. Yeah, you had to kind yeah. of tell them, no, it's not Roethlisberger. That's their quarterback. It's dead. Take a look at number four. It's Carr. <laughs> yeah, it's Carr. So that was that was funny. And uh, a couple other thoughts. You know, we saw uh, G-Eazy and Guy Fieri there taken in a uh, training camp. And – and then I think one story, one player who's going to be a story uh, throughout the the season of Hard Knocks is Richie Incognito because he's been such a polarizing player and a very good player, mind you. Like, he's a very, very good and proven player in this league, but from the bullying stuff a few years ago, he's had run-ins with different players, different coaches, issues with different teams. He's suspended, I believe, for... PED or some something uh, for a couple games at least. So he's going to be a figure that what we saw, it was on camera, obviously, and he's saying and doing all the right things. And but at least that's a start because I don't think he's been the type of player who would always even say say and do the right thing for a little while. So maybe he is trying to change. Yeah, you you'll want to have a, a Richie Incognito type, not necessarily one who's going to maybe do some of the things that he's done in the past, but you want to have somebody who's got a little dirty, a little mm-hmm. nasty in them, yeah. especially from your linemen. You need a little nasty from the, from your linemen, especially when you have old school type of coaches. That's definitely uh, a big plus from your offensive linemen. Uh, you were talking about quarterbacks. Let me give you a quick quarterback update for any New York Jets fans out that are out there or SC Trojan fans that are out there. Sam Donald, first drive, Looked very crisp, four for five, very efficient, 68 yards for a touchdown. Yeah, it's preseason, but believe me, first-teamers are wanting to go out there and um, replicate what they're going to do in in the regular season. And seeing how crisp he was just from the very first drive, pretty impressive stuff. It it doesn't matter when and at what level, you always want to look good, right? I mean, you don't take it. Yeah, it's not like you're going to go out there and throw incomplete passes no, or like in spring training. You know, you may be working on something, you know, try to hit, uh, you know, your spots as a pitcher or, you know, as a hitter, maybe go the other way with it, you know, work sure. on things. But in football, especially, it's such a team game. You need your linemen to do their things. You need everybody to be involved um, at, pieces, at a super high level or, staff, or you're you going to get hurt. Yeah, you with know the what new mean? staff, so, you, want, yeah. you just want to see him 
absorbing everything, right? Absolutely. Going out there and looking like he's not quite lost and he's still got it. So that's good. And because Sam's from your quarterback too. You yeah. Know, you, you're going to want to go go out there and show the team that uh, you're deserving of that, you know, high draft status that you got, you know, and, and, and you want to endear yourself to, to the wide receivers too and get them the ball and get it to them in a spot where they can maybe have a little yak afterwards so um, we say it yeah. year in year out and you were you know almost pulled a really good rabbit out of your hat last year with the Miami Dolphins and a lot of the reason like I think why you were like giving them a big shot and when we look around in the AFC we always want to give like another team in that division a chance because it's not been a very strong division other than the Patriots year in and year out. There generally are three other teams in there that aren't that great between the Jets, the Bills, and the Dolphins. And so if one of those teams can just be like slightly above average, they have a good opportunity to kind of beat up on the other two bad teams, be able to build up some wins right away in that division, and then kind of give themselves an opportunity to sneak in for a wild card. So you... I kind of was maybe maybe I was a year or two ahead thinking I don't think I had the Jets making the playoffs, but I thought I think I had them being a little bit better than they were last year. And you almost nailed it with Miami just for this reason. We the Patriots are going to be good, but one, they're not going to be good forever. Like Brady's going to eventually dip. We don't know when it is. We keep saying it's going to happen every year, but it will eventually. And even if they're good, there's still, you know, four other games to be won pretty easily in that division. Well, here's the funny thing. And I do think that the Jets are going to take a, another step forward. I'm not a, a, a big fan of their head coach. Yeah. Uh, I thought that he didn't do a great job last year, uh, even though some would have said, you know, he got a lot out, out of his team. Um, he's definitely up for debate. On, you know, but I, he's yeah, not I'm not a big fan or, of yeah, him. I think 100%. there's guys that were more deserving of head coaching opportunity than him, but that's a different discussion for a different day. Uh, what I do think is a little bit funny, though, is – these teams, obviously, anytime you know you're in a division, these divisions are small. They're not big divisions, right? You got three other opponents. You're going to draft to gun for the a team like the Patriots, sure, right? You know when when let's say Randy Moss was, was with the Vikings, you know the entire division was drafting uh, to to stop Moss to stop the passing attacks. So you're maybe going to get more bigger DBs, more physical DBs, etc. So teams in the AFC East have been drafting to stop Brady and Gronk and the passing attack. And here's the funny thing. They're going to go to a power running game this year. And you're talking about Brady and him, you know, inevitably slipping. They're going to prevent that slippage, at least from happening this year, because they're not going to ask a whole heck of a lot out of him. They're going to go to a power running game. And, and a lot of options and, in the backfield. And, and, and now you have these teams that have been drafting to stop a passing attack, right? Um, and, 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 you know, they're gonna none hit. of these teams necessarily have, like, super dominant D-lines to, you know, or run-stopping defenses. Maybe the best of the bunch probably be Buffalo, I yeah. would suspect. But um, it's it'll be interesting to see, you know, now they're going to have to stop – uh, a, a power and, running attack, and the problem and, when you do that, they haven't been drafting accordingly. You know when what I mean? You do that, and you're, and you're, it's it's tough to do that against someone like Belichick, who is so good of a coach, because he can just out coach. And we see him do it in the playoffs last year. I mean, he had three different versions of the New England team. Yeah, they, he's that won three different weeks in a row. He he can he can make you change the way that you play. 
and he can take away your strengths and make you have to you know, turn those weaknesses into something in order for you to win. And so that's what's difficult about kind of drafting that way against someone like Belichick. It's like you're just so much better off like getting the best player available and then figuring things out from there, you know, getting the best talent that you have and then figuring things out. Because when you draft for need like that and then all of a sudden your need changes and then you're screwed. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely right. And, you know, for the fantasy football players that are out there, you know, uh, when I say that the Patriots are going to have a power running game, you know, you could expect a lot of, a lot of yards, a lot of, uh, you know, red zone carries, a lot of touchdowns. But in this day and age, it's kind of hard to figure out who to use uh, fantasy-wise because these guys split so many of the carries. So I would anticipate James White getting a lot of yards and touchdowns, Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead. You know, so it's kind of hard to, to, to draft. How, how do you go about back. it with running back position outside of, you know, the last few years, obviously, it's been girly. I don't think so much this year, but there's usually, you know, three, four, five running backs that you know um, are going to get, you know, 300 touches. And, and that's you not. Know, how do you approach the running back position? I know it's kind of off topic, but no, no, but might it's, as well it's, talk about it. Yeah, you know what? I, I was listening to some uh, a show kind of talk a little bit about this, and they've said that basically, if you flip like every year. And you can flip it in order, like rushing attempts have gone down. And but every year we're getting they're getting more efficient with their rushing. And and I think a lot of it is to do with we were talking about the Patriots, so a perfect example is because there's so much of what used to be in the run game is what is in now the short dink and dunk pass game, which is almost the same thing, right? Like a player like James White or a player like today that got traded, Duke Johnson. You know, he is he is going to be huge for Watson just to give him a little safety valve. I mean, they led the Houston Texans last year. They were the worst team in the league when allowing sacks. They allowed the most sacks in the league. And Watson was just getting lit up, hit over and over and over again. They had Lamar Miller, who's a fine running back, but he's not really a threat out of the backfield. Now you add Duke Johnson there. So they're going to have so much play action where they look like they are, they line up like, you know, they're, they're going to run. And then boom, you just get a little down and out to Duke Johnson, a little out to Duke Johnson in the flat. And I think that's, that's what ends up happening now is that it's the, in fantasy in particular, those few running backs at the top that, you know, are going to get those 20 plus touches. And then they'll get a few, the three down backs, they can catch the ball also, those are so valuable now, and they're so much more valuable than they've ever been before because there's just not many of them. And after those top like five or six backs, then you're looking at, you know, I'm, I'm always now in PPR leagues always preferring a back that catches versus like a second running back or a backup running back that's just between the tackles. I'm always going to go to the James White guy. Because points-wise, they're going to be better. They're going to get you more touches. They're more likely to get you more yards and a touchdown with just three or four catches than they are yeah. for maybe eight. I, to I 10 think it's really, rushes. really important to look and, and and understand the scoring model in the fantasy of your, of your particular league that you guys most are of them in. are PPRs nowadays. They, yeah, they've, they've most gone to that format. Yeah, and, and and I would and I would check to see you know how many point is it a full point for a reception? Sure. Is it a half point for a reception? How about yards? You know how how are those calculated? You know, some leagues are very favoring for, you know, uh, the weight for a touchdown makes it to where 
you know, even like if you get like a, a Linda White. Yeah. Right. Didn't he have like, I think he was like a league leader or amongst the league leaders in oh, touchdowns. Yeah. Right. But you wouldn't necessarily have picked him up for his, you know, definitely not for his receptions, not for his, you know, not that hundred yard grinder every single game type, but mm-hmm. and, and, you a lot of points over the total course of a season. You well, know, what makes this, this particular draft difficult and, what was difficult last year at the very top of the draft, and I remember, and I feel so bad for Nick Hines, the Sarge, in our Mike Abadir show, Fantasy Football League, is that nobody knew what was going to happen with Le'Veon Bell last year. And Le'Veon Bell was the number one overall ranked player, but nobody knew what to do with him because he wasn't—he was holding out. So he ends up dropping now, and then he's, he's instead of being one, Gurley ends up at one. He's down to like three or four, or five. People yep. still think he's going to come back. He doesn't end up coming back at all, and sure. you get stuck with him. And yep. that, and right now, this and we got year, two of those guys. Two right of now. those with yep. Ezekiel Elliott and Melvin Gordon. And if like those are legitimate first round picks for any team. Like if you liked, if you're a fan of the Chargers or you're a fan of Dallas, and you had the number one overall pick and you picked Ezekiel Elliott or Melvin Gordon. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think twice about it. I'd say, yeah, okay. I mean, most you likely, like the- you know, at least one of them is going to be missing some games. Oh. Maybe the first two, three, four games. Uh, just knowing just what I know about know. how. Yeah. You know, just, well, I mean, Jerry Jones, the way he operates, and I've had guys in the Cowboys before, you know, he'll, you know, he'll go, he'll go to battle. And he'll, he's mm-hmm. already made comments like we can win without. without a running back or, you know, a, there's a, nobody a, that defines us running back. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, um, a, a quick, another quick New York update. We'll stick with the uh, state of New York with the, uh, New York football giants. They just answered Darnold's drive and I'm watching it in the background here, the corner of my eye. And I see this number eight in quarter uh, quarterback. And I'm like, man, he's looking really, really good. Who is this guy? It's not Eli. Who's number 10. Daniel Jones from oh, Duke, yeah. high draft pick for them. Um, probably the heir apparent to Eli Manning with a really, really crisp look and drive. Very, very sharp. Five for five, 67 yards, 13.4 yards per average reception with a touchdown. 158 rating. Perfect rating. So it's a great, it's a great good stuff there and, for the state of New York, right? Because and all the games are on. You're a yeah. Jets or Giants fan. You've you've got rook, young guys that you're rooting for at quarterback position, and if these guys pan out, you know you're going to have uh, exciting football for the next ten years. That's what it does for you, just like that. And, so and you know while we're talking, Sequan Barkley is probably going to be the number one overall pick in most fantasy leagues because he's just going to, he's one of those top tier running backs that will be on the field for all three downs and he's a true four down back and he can actually come out of the backfield, catch passes and he, yep. you can hand him the ball every single time. So he's one who's two um, towards the top right now. It's Saquon. And then after Saquon, it's, you know, McCaffrey Kam- and, and Kamara and Zeke and Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson are like in that next tier. Um, so they're all the top because those are the, and I Basically, like McCaffrey too because he has the nose for the end zone. I think oh, he's getting he does. And he's a lot. getting bigger. I don't know if you've seen some pictures of him in the offseason. He's I put on not. some he has gained a little some muscle, man. This fool has been in the he's been working out. He has been in the gym. And he he catches the ball too. He's really, really good out of the backfield. So he was I think he of I read something that he was 
on the field, I think, okay, 97% of Carolina snaps through week 16 last year. That is unbelievable. 97%. So if you're talking fantasy, this guy never comes off the field. He is absolutely the type of player that you want. And uh, and so after those top running back tiers, then you get into the wide receivers. And it's actually Devontae Adams. If And I, I this was a good question the other day. If you were just sitting around and thinking about the best wide receivers in the game, he's probably not someone that would you would you'd probably go five or six deep before you even started thinking about him. And he actually had the best year. He was the number one scoring fantasy wide receiver in ESPN PPR leagues last year. Wow. Impressive. Let me give you a, a dark horse uh, early on. I haven't prepared yet for yeah, fantasy football, so either. to speak, yeah. right? Um, but I'm going to give you a dark horse to keep in mind. There's a kid named Darwin Thompson. He played at Utah State, and uh, he's with the Kansas City Chiefs. They used a really, really late pick on him. But he's one of those guys. I think if he gets a good camp and impresses Coach Reed, this is a very explosive, very fast running back. He's only five foot eight, but with the Chiefs' explosive offense, I think he's one of those guys that can, um, you know, like you're talking about, have good hands out of the backfield and uh, maybe be a surprise performer. Yeah, change of pace type guy. So we'll uh, keep an eye out on that. Gino, let's take uh, another commercial. And come back, talk a little baseball and feel the dreams. Stay with us. We will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping want to play the ponies <laughs> join us every week for winning ponies with john Engelhart, racing's regular guy where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys trainers agents and handicappers in the world of horse racing this show is the perfect complement to the winning ponies handicapping website listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in winning ponies with john Engelhart is live thursdays at 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific on the voice america sports network streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com
This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Gino, a lot of our listeners are uh, big horse racing fans, uh, wagerers, or follow the sport uh, at large. And there is a charity called After the Finish Line. And uh, I've become uh, good friends with, uh, or friends, I should say, with uh, Don, who runs After the Finish Line. They're a thoroughbred aftercare organization. And um, they do a really good job in terms of, uh, you know, providing a need that's, uh, you know, it's better than the horse slaughter, right? And so they're, uh, they're having an event. And uh, let me pull up the information here because uh, I want to make sure that people can get behind it and i had it and i lost it uh while i while i while i looked that up oh here it is so it's their eighth annual pacific classic fundraiser it's on saturday august 17th i made a retweet and will continue to do so um they got a lot of donations for merchandise and things because they're doing a sale and um you can find out more about them through their website i will tweet that out as well um, so stay on the lookout for that. That's in about a week, uh, week they're coming this Saturday. Want to also make one other reference before we talk to baseball. So, and Gino did not ask me to say anything about this. I just kind of felt compelled to, this is TVG's 20th year, uh, on the television side, I think also on the wagering side, but I know mm-hmm. at least on the TV side, and I've been a big fan of TVG since day number one. Before we knew any of the cast of characters, always been a horse racing fan and thought it would be awesome if we have a dedicated channel like a lot of the other sports have where it's 24-7 horse racing. Um, And TVG brought that into our living room. So they're doing a celebration for the 20th anniversary. And uh, it's been pretty neat. Uh, Anybody who uh, is a horse racing fan knows what I'm talking about. And they brought in probably one of the more popular guys who's no longer with the network, Ken Rudolph, love seeing him. And, um, you know, he kind of brings it, brings an element of uh, humor and and wit that maybe some of the other guys don't deliver. So it's good to see him back on there. But one person in particular that you would think would be associated with the 20th anniversary, because they've done a good job in getting people that have maybe were on the airwaves, you know, in years one, two, three, four, five, and, and maybe we're only on there for two, three years. But my co-host here, Gino Bacola, big part of TVG's history, five years with the network, I believe, Gino, yeah. if that is correct. Yeah. And uh, thus far, I have not seen any old highlights. I have not seen you live in the studio. I think you I've will. I have not seen a pre-recorded event. What's up with that? I think you will. I think you will. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I wasn't sure, but I, you know what? I actually was. Uh, I had been contacted by TVG. There is an alumni event uh, coming up at the end of the Del Mar meet, and I believe I will be a part of that. So I don't really know much more than that. But yeah, it was nice. Yeah, I mean, look, a- the, the, you look. You were one of the more popular TV hosts. Thank you for, for that. a reason. Uh, and that's because of how much you endeared yourself to the fans of the sport and those who are putting their own money on the line every single day. So I always noticed and appreciated that you came prepared 
every single show, you handicapped the races and you kind of felt somebody's pain when, yeah. you know, maybe a, their single lost or whatever. There was nobody that got to more emails and social media, um, you know, posts than you did. Um, I think what you had a motto, right? It was the most uh, interactive, interactive so, show yeah. in all. Yeah. So um, definitely, uh, you know, for me to you, congratulations on being a part of the 20 year anniversary. Yeah. And hoping to, um, you know, that should that be fun. I honestly have no right idea. And includes you in the festivities because you were an integral part of it. One of the more popular hosts, like I said, and whether it was a, like a Thursday evening shift you made Charlestown just that much more interesting, or if it was a weekend at Santa Anita or Hollywood Park or wherever it was, it was always a, a good effort put forward by Gino Bacola. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that, Mike. It'll, it should be a lot of fun. Hopefully get to uh, meet up with some old friends and some people that I worked with for a while. And more than anything, I think um, in the podcast that I've hosted, in any time I post uh, a video Anytime I post um, written analysis for something, I feel like I take it really seriously. And I want to make sure that whoever is looking or listening or watching uh, can at least say, man, win or lose, I, I think that guy really put his time in and he really, really tried. So that's at the end of the day, I, that's what I always wanted is that I know you're going to lose a lot more days than you're going to win. But I always wanted people to say, man, that guy put the work in and put the time in. And so that's what my goal is, whether it be talking about hard knocks or breaking down Game of Thrones episode or whatever. I always want to be super prepared. So I appreciate you saying that. And uh, and I always like look and, and look for people um, when I tune into shows and, and you when you and I sit down and, and we uh, we can talk football and baseball. And I always appreciate that that you come prepared to and, uh, and you do your homework. So that's. That's always the goal. I always want to try to make sure that everybody says, "Okay, I know that guy watched the games, or he watched the show, and he took a lot of time, and he and he put his uh, he he actually cared." So um, always, that's what you're gonna get. You're always gonna get that from me, no doubt about it. And absolutely, and we're well, getting that of being from prepared, my Dodgers. By the way. Okay, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say we're, we're getting that from my Dodgers, but Mike, what what has gone on the last week and a half with the Red Sox? They they lost what nine. It was eight in a row, and now nine of ten. Man, after the so back to back weekends, the Red Sox played uh, against the Yankees. Good and the first go around, they humiliated the Yankees, crushed them. They absolutely crushed them. But we've seen it this year so far, right? Where they'll go into Tampa and sweep them. And we're like, okay, they're going to turn the corner now. This you got a couple, is you got the a momentum against that the we're Orioles. waiting for. And then right? you lose two out of three then, the Orioles. Uh, it, this has happened all year long. Every time you think, it's like they're toying with us. Every time you think that they're about to turn the corner, use that momentum to get on to like a crazy streak that we all know that they're capable of doing, they come out flat and they get their butts whooped. I don't know what it is, but there's just zero consistency from the starting pitchers. And it, it starts from there, I think. Yeah, you know, starts- and here's, inter- here's the interesting thing. When you look at all the analytics, it would tell you that they're a top five team in baseball. Yep. You look at all the numbers. It, it, puts they don't, you, it puts they them don't up there. add up. It's like just they does, just, just don't add up, and it's all up. situational. It's just every – it's funny. It's like every intangible I, – I'm, I'm a sick 
demented person in my head, right? So like when I got sick, I always like will joke about how when when I got sick, in order to stay alive, I used all my meter of luck. And so I've like joked about how I don't have like luck, you know, in horse racing or like I always lose the photos since then, but I used up the luck, you know, to stay alive. I kind of feel like Boston, they, they used up that like meter last year of like all of those intangibles, like all those like game winning hits or just the, the things that didn't add up and they won last year. It's like they're getting the double whammy for them this year. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like two years worth of the, the little small negative things that you scratch your head. Like the, how did that ball get through? Like the Dodgers the other night, they like they, they're playing uh, against the Cardinals and Flaherty has an incredible game. The Cardinals play great. They've shut the Dodgers down the entire game. It's one nothing going. Dustin May pitches great for the Dodgers. It's just a really good baseball game on Wednesday afternoon. And they go into the ninth, and the Dodgers are down one nothing. It's like, I just knew the Dodgers were going to win that game. And that's probably how you felt last year every time. And I was like, Mike, you can't really feel that way. And you did feel that way. And they did win. And this year, you probably would have gone into the ninth inning up one nothing thinking the Red Sox are going to lose. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. You know, and, and 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 Dodgers are a great comparison because they are replicating basically what the Red Sox did last year. And so it doesn't matter if it's a if it's a Dodgers catcher veteran of 12, 14 years coming in with a big hit or the rookie coming in for a big hit, they're getting it. And that's why they're getting the job done. This year, the Red Sox, if you look at them from an analytics perspective, like I was mentioning earlier, their war would suggest that the Red Sox should be 65 and 51, 14 games above 500, which is probably not what at the level that maybe people expected on the way coming into the season. But nonetheless, they'd be 65 and 51, 14 games above 500. But because they have the fifth worst clutch score in the league, and how that's really defined in essence is. The, the example that you just posed, you know, ninth inning, eighth inning, high leverage situation. They came through with all those hits last year and they came through with big home runs or bloop singles. It or didn't matter. Or they just were coming yeah, or, or down by a bunch of runs and, and they were, downs. they were, you know, ripping consecutive hits. But this year they're, they're just terrible over the weekend against the Yankees. They were three for 19 with runners in scoring position. The, and they mustered zero runs. Zero runs from, you know, in those high leverage type of situations, runners on base, et cetera. A lot of solo home runs. Once again, if you look at the each player's stats on their own, they've got multiple MVP candidates, you know, both from a, like, war perspective and from an analytics perspective and a numbers perspective, Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts will be in the top five MVP-wise if the season yep. ended today. But it just doesn't feel like it. You know, and, and Endeavors is really, really close as well. You know, so they got three MVP-type candidates. Take out Mike Trout, those three guys, you know, it would be a, a toss-up between and, who and, gets and the And you're MVP. not even mentioning uh, JD, JD or yeah. Ben Attendee. Yep. You know, or like just like really solid, solid players. Yep. It's uh, it's conf- it's confusing and it's head scratching. Yeah, and, and I, one I more will... stat for you, by the way. They if they if they miss the playoffs, they would be the fourth best team in history, at least since analytics has been tracking it, to not make the playoffs. Yeah. And, because... and that's from and that's uh, I should cite that 
that's based on the ELO ratings, ELO ratings. If anybody's not familiar with it, look it up. You can see that the 538, which they yeah, do a pretty good job really with the analytics and stuff like that. So obviously when we're citing these stats, you have to, for the, for the advanced metrics on these things, there are different formulas. So very important to cite which one we are using. I'm using ELO for this particular conversation, but if you use any of the other metrics, uh, or models, it, it comes up with very similar uh, information, which is that they're underperforming based on what the numbers suggest. We only have the doctors, few- on the other hand, man, it, people think it's just, I mean, that the Bellinger's carrying the team, and there have been nights where he has, whether it be with throwing out runners or clutch home runs, but man, top to bottom, man, that lineup is lethal. They're very the good. I mean, they, they just fantastic. got in. Um, a new player, uh, Negron, uh, who was just like a throw-in in trades, and the guy comes in in his first two games he plays for the Dodgers. He hit back home runs back-to-back days. It's just they. You mentioned, um, I think, a little earlier, and you you continually talk about it last year with Boston, and it said when you have such a good lineup, it just takes the pressure off of everybody else throughout that lineup, and they they are all going to get better pitches to hit. They don't press themselves because they know, oh, you know what. I got another back coming up or the guy behind me will be fine. You just don't feel that overwhelming mounting pressure on you. And that's what the Dodgers right now. I mean, Will Smith comes up and he's just contributing. And then they sent Austin Barnes down and he's hit like a home run in five games in a row down in the minors. And it's like, oh, how about guy, a stacked they, catching? They can't bring uh, him up. You know, t- I mean, is there a team that's more stacked in the catching position? I mean, yeah. it's, it's really, really unbelievable. Um, I know that there's so many different angles that we could take with this, but okay, we only but I have a couple minutes left. First. I got to give you props first on the Mets, dude. The amazing Mets. We, if if anybody tuned in to an episode of this show two months ago, they would have heard you and me both giving up on the Nationals and the Mets, who were our playoff picks in the National League East, and they both now have a legitimate chance to make the playoffs. As a wild card teams, yeah, and as we know, the teams that have the the momentum in in late August and September, are the ones that end up uh, getting in, not just getting into the postseason, but oftentimes they're the ones they that uh, will win it all. I mean, yeah. we saw with the St. Louis Cardinals, who were barely a five hundred team a few the years giant, back, giant they got into the tournament the and they did it. They yep. won. Exactly. Yeah. So, hey, because we only have a short time left, Gino, let me ask you a very here's the million dollar question. So, for the most part. You know, the Yankees and the Dodgers uh, remained idle for the, you know, at least in terms of name type players at the trade deadline. Based on what the Astros did, do you think that they are going to regret that? We touched on it a little bit last week about the Dodgers um, with David Gaskin, but... Overall, do you think that these teams let's let's start with maybe the Yankees because they're the ones that are going to be competing the Yankees, to get yes. out of the I think AL. the Yankees absolutely are going to regret it because they're starting pitching. Like they're going to need to get at least four or five innings out of those starters and then then they can go to their bullpen and in a series, you know, one series, maybe two series, they could use the bullpen, but we saw when teams like the Brewers try to do that last year, you can't make it all the way through with sure. just a bullpen. You need a few starters. Now for the Dodgers, the only reason why I'm not quite as worried is because the Dodgers have Rich Hill coming back from an injury and they just brought up Dustin May and and Tony Gonsolin. Those could be two out of the bullpen arms. That could be just like making a trade and you have a Dustin May and a Tony Gonsolin coming out of the bullpen to help you. So that's the only reason why I feel a little bit confident if you add those two. Remember, the Dodgers made the trade for Joe Kelly in the offseason to add along with Baez, with Kenley. You're going to move Maeda there to the pen. You're going to have Urias and Stripling. I mean, on paper, 
that should be plenty. I don't know if it's going to be good enough to beat the Astros, but I don't know how much better you could have done going out and, and maybe adding like a Milan stand or something like that. Shaping out to be a field, uh, uh, a World Series rematch. You're going to say and, field uh, of dreams because uh, yeah, you dude, wanted to talk I, I about that my own game. Tongue, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say it's a, a dream matchup, and then I said field of, which is the field of dreams matchup we're going to see next year. Uh, it, you know, it's going to be at the same field of the Field of Dreams movie, and we'll uh, look, be looking forward to that White Sox Yankees matchup. That's all the time that we have today. Hopefully, all your dream matchups uh, win this weekend. It's a big one for baseball in terms of wild card standings moving forward. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be here next week, same time, same place. Have a tremendous sports weekend. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.